if you believe you have the fullness of God in you, say amen. amen. Say quick, amen. 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 Are you guys are free to be seated? Amen. Where are we at today? Are we at, are we at, are we defeated or where, where are we at today? Are we at Wrigleyville, Wrigleyfield or something? Where, where are we at? Are we at like GameStop or something? Where are we at? Like, I don't know. I still don't know where we're at. Jorge, where are we at? Amen. Amen. Where, where are we at, Josiah? Amen. Amen. What, what is Elevate? It's a youth group that meets every Friday at 7 p.m. Amen. If you're online, check us out in person. But elevate. Elevate. Amen. Anybody ever read the Old Testament before? Amen. Anybody ever read any weird passages? If you've ever read any weird passages or seen it online, don't hide it to yourself. Get some help. Right? Don't hide it to yourself. Get some help if you don't understand what the Bible's saying. We are ready to help you. So, really quickly, right? The Old Testament. Really big book. You know how many books are in the Old Testament? Can anyone guess? Well, there's 66 books in the Bible. There's 27 in the New Testament. How many are in the Old Testament? Man, someone says 67. Woo. <laughs> What's up, RJ? You said, oh, you said 67? But I said there's 66 books. Amen. My bad. That's my miscommunication on my fault. Who said 39? Amen. You would have got a chocolate cake, maybe, if you participate. How about next time? That might be a Bible question. There's 39 books in the Old Testament. 39. Yep, in the Old Testament. That's right, TJ. Amen. Amen, my brother in SUM. What month are we in? We're in April, right? What's a holiday in April? Easter. You know, this is the time where we get around the, the garden and we hunt a bunch of eggs and we just find out what's in the egg and we discover, you know, what's going on. And we try to find out what's up with the Easter bunny. And we all bow down to the wonderful golden egg that saves us no right what are we what is easter right what is the point of easter can anyone scream it out resurrection of jesus man shout it like you don't care who hears you come on amen amen if you said that 1880 years ago you'd probably be killed for that i'm just saying you let you know but we get to say it freely right so in light of Easter, we're doing this sermon series. Everyone, check out our 4K TV real quick. We blessed. We blessed. I mean, no doubt, though, when Jesus comes back, there'll probably be, like, crazier TVs, right? Maybe we don't even need a TV. Maybe we can just be like, God, I want to see this. And God's like, boom. You know, we don't know that. But here, we got a 4K TV. And can anyone shout out what the sermon title is? Not. Yeah, yeah, out of the grave, right? But, but scream it out a little bit louder, right? Amen. You know, we could have gone for he is risen like every other youth group, but I kind of wanted to do something new. Under that, what does it say? The prophecies of the crucifixion. Everybody know what the crucifixion is, right? You know, it's what your, what your thea always holds close to her, right? 
with Jesus on the cross, the crucifixion, and she starts praying to it and kissing it like four times. That's against the Bible, by the way. You don't do that. There's no power in that. But Abuela doesn't know better. You need to teach her, okay? So we need to show her what's up. So the crucifixion, okay? Now, before we even get into Easter, we, we should understand some things, right? This brings us to a question. Why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to die? Why couldn't he pull a Barney and just hug everyone to conversion? Like, man, you know what? You murdered four people. Give me a big hug. Oh, I just love you. You know, that's kind of how we picture Jesus sometimes. Or why didn't he just go over people and be like, with a, like, a, like a scepter and just be like, you're changed, you're changed, you're changed, right? Why didn't he do that? Why did Jesus have to die? And there's, I could say a bunch of things, but I really want to stick to the point of his, resur- his, uh, his death and his resurrection so I'm going to stick to a few things. If you want to know more reasons, you can always come up to our leaders after service, test them a little bit. You hit them with a Bible quiz. We're always hitting you with a Bible quiz. You hit us with some questions. And then if we get it right, you don't give us a cake. You just give us a pat on our backs like, good, you know what you're talking about. You can lead me. You know? Just kidding. <laughs> TJ's like, oh, man. <laughs> come on, bring it on. There you go. Right? Amen. TJ, ready? TJ's ready. Give all your difficult questions. So... Here's the thing. I want to, this word is not going to be for your emotions, right? So if you came here wanting to cry, you might not cry. You might not feel happy. You might not even feel like that was a good message. You might get a lot of information. But really, I'm tired of just saying, hey, man, here you go. You know, you guys don't read the Bible, so let me just give you this. A lot of youth groups do that. They just say, let me show you the three points of how you can be a better person. Uh, You know, just love more and love more and love more. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how people talk to these. But I'm going to tell you a word that will encourage your faith. Build up your faith. Build up your faith. You trust in God. This will help you trust in God more. You don't trust in God. You can keep ignoring this, but that's your fault, right? I want to help you. I want you guys to understand when you're thinking and you're like, man, why should I not give up following with Jesus? Why should I, why shouldn't I just end it all? Why shouldn't I? I want you to have a good answer, not just a, oh, well, people will miss you. People will miss you if you go to Texas. People will miss you if you go to sleep. People miss you all the time. That's not a good enough answer for me. I'm going to give you an answer that will last for eternity, and, that, and it, it's this, right? It's that literally Jesus resurrected, <laughs> plain and simple. And you're going to find out why that is such an encouraging thing. But really quick, right? No one really understands what the word prophecies means. You know, probably some people think of like a magic like ball. Well, just uh, in my job, we had uh, some people from Bethel Ministry come and, and prophesy to the kids, right? Amen, right? And, and the kids, they're like, how do you know that about me, right? Do you know me? And they're like, do you have some magic ball? How do you know this stuff about me? It was words of knowledge, so they knew things about the kids from God that only God could tell them, and the kids were freaking out. Uh, prophecies is basically this, right? It is either prediction or insight given by God. So prediction, everybody knows what it means to predict something. Like some people try to predict the weather. Like, man, your grandma be like, be like my hips, they hurt. It's going to rain today. You know, like maybe they might say that, right? I don't know. That's more like a, <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with that. Dude. I heard that in a show one day. But okay, so you try to predict the weather. Then insight, right? When you have insight on something, that means you have knowledge on the inside of something that most people are on the outside of. So a lot of times, many of you guys know we have Elevate meetings. 
but you don't have the insight to what goes on in those meetings. You don't know the type of chicken we be eating in our meetings, right? Amen? You don't got the insight. But if you did as a youth, you know, you would have insight. So that's basically what it means, given from God. So that's what prophecy really is. Now, understanding this, right, we may have lots of problems, okay? Now, with prophecies come promises, and there are problems that we go through, but the only way to really get through these problems is to be reminded of God, God's promises. We have problems. Me telling you to just get over them doesn't help. People telling you, man, just to think it through doesn't help. Some of you may get sick one day and have cancer, and me telling you to, to just, you know, love yourself more isn't going to help. What I have right now is a promise from God. And it's a promise that didn't start, originate from Elevate. It didn't originate even, even in this church. It didn't originate from anyone that we know. It originated from God himself. He made the promise. If we can go to Luke 24 to 46, please. Luke 24 to 46. He told them, this is what is written. Everybody say written. Written. Everybody say written. Everybody say written. Yeah, that was really wet. I need my left side. Your, well, it's your right side, right? But my left side. Say written. I need my left side. My right. Never mind. I'm switching up now. My right side. Say written. So that means someone literally put, wrote something down, right? What is written? Jesus, what did Jesus say? He said the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Why is this such a big thing, right? Why, why is saying the Messiah? Some of you guys are like, boring, boring. Show me some Fortnite dances, man. I need my Fortnite dances, man. I need my, dude, that's how you kids are some days, man. My job, they'd be like, dude, just show me Fortnite dances. I'm like, bro, chill. Get off my phone. It's not even you got games anymore. It's like, you got Fortnite? You got Fortnite dances? I'm like, bro, chill, dude. This stuff is crazy. This, listen, if you could just put the timeline that I have beforehand, right? So here's the thing. I want you to understand people are waiting for the Messiah from, for 3,600 years, about 4,000 years. You can go back to the verse now. So this is something that's been 4,000 years in the waiting, just the Messiah, right? The Messiah was God's chosen servant, okay? The Messiah, the one that was going to save the Jews. But, but it's not saved like you guys think it was, right? When the Old Testament talks about salvation, it talks about this, right? It talks about Jeremiah taking my money. God's going to go kill him. That's what the salvation was. He's going to kill Jeremiah. That's what they thought it, Jesus was going to come to do. Jeremiah's been oppressing me. Jeremiah's going to lose his sneakers. He's going to lose his house. He's going to become my slave. That's what they thought Jesus was going to come to do because they've been oppressed so long. So keep that in mind, right? So keep that in mind and then also keep this in mind as we go through the passage. Jesus said it was written, Jesus, right, God, he keeps his word. He is faithful and God wants us to know him. That's what you should understand as I'm going, on, uh, going along reading this. So we can go to Genesis 3, 14 through 15. The Messiah was the promise in the Old Testament. But when did this promise start? It started in Genesis. Everybody know where Genesis is at? Shout out where Genesis is at. There you go. First book in the Bible, right? How many chapters are in Genesis? No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, if you do have the answer, I, I... You looked, didn't you? Who looked? Who looked? 
Did you know off the bat, Bree? Did you know off the bat, Bree? Don't lie now. Don't lie now. Yes, 50, okay? So this is the third chapter of Genesis. This is right after, think about this. God just made who? Adam and Eve, right? They chilling. They married. They living life, right? They eating from the garden. No worries. Akuna Matata, you know what I'm saying? All over that place. That is, that's not how you say it. That's how I say it, okay? Akuna Matata. How do you say it, Abdi? You don't even know anymore? But what does it mean? We all, we'll shout out what it means for the rest of your days. Amen. It's not, it is a philosophy. But they were, it was greater than that, man. They made Timon and Pumbaa look like jokes, okay? They were chilling. Then we all know, we learned about that recently, man. The devil, he came out of nowhere as a serpent, you know, serpent, you know and you, you, don't, you think not to listen to talking snakes, but they decided to listen because, you know, God made everything good, and this looked like something God had made, and he thought it was good. Well, they fell. They sinned. Sin came into the world. We know this. So this is what God now tells the serpent. This is the first curse in the Bible. This is now God angry. Okay, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, deceiving Adam and Eve, cursed you are above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, that's a, that's a weird, that's a cool word, enmity, right? That means conflict. That means conflict, war between you, who's the you? Not you. Who's the you in this? Oh, no, it's the serpent. So he's still talking to the serpent, the devil, right? Between you, the devil, and the woman. Who's the woman? Eve. So now catch this. Between your offspring. Skirt, skirt. The devil has offspring. The devil has offspring. Did you know that you can be a child of the devil in this place right now? So whose offspring? His offspring and hers. The children that come from Eve and the children that come from Satan. Not that Satan is literally birthing out babies, but you have to understand this is not talking about a physical thing right now. And you'll catch this. And he now, who's the he? That's a good question, right? He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Who is the he? Think about this right now. You're a Jew, right? Jesus hasn't come yet. There's no America. You're just sitting with your camel. And all of a sudden you're reading this. You're like, who the heck is going to crush his head, the serpent's head? They're understanding the serpent is the deceiver, the enemy, the one who fell from heaven. They're understanding that. And then he will, the sa Satan will strike his heel. They're probably tweaking. They don't even understand what's going on. And that happens a lot in the Old Testament. They don't know who this is talking about. But this is actually talking about Jesus. You see, Jesus, he came through a human. He came through a human who was the human? Mary. Basically, Jesus was the offspring of Eve. What did Jesus do? He destroyed the works of the enemy. This is talking about Jesus. This is in the beginning of time. This is in the beginning. Already, Jesus was going to be struck. Jesus was going to be injured. He was going to suffer. It was already said in the beginning. That's the Messiah. As we continue to 50, uh, Isaiah 52, 13 through 15. 
So Jesus, he defeats the enemy, but he was going to suffer already in the beginning. That's what it's saying. Understand this, okay? Keep along with me. Remember I said that you're going to have to pay attention. Exercise those, uh, uh, those focus muscles or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. What, what is the, the part of your brain that helps you focus? Just to say brain. Thank you, Oscar. If you go to Isaiah, if you go to Isaiah 52, verse 13 to 15. Isaiah 52, 13 to 15. If you don't have a Bible, I would just say look up there, you know? Really simple, okay? Kind of want to read it from right here, even that's pretty big. Actually, I'll read it See my servant. Who's my servant? Really quickly. Who's my servant? Jesus. See, so this is God talking. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted high, lifted up and highly exhausted, just as there were many who were appalled at him. Appalled. It's another word. Disgusted. Disgusted at him. His appearance was so disfigured. I mean, he was ugly. He was ugly. He was made, like, he was ugly. He was beat up. He was distorted. His, probably his eye was all bruised. And it says, beyond that of any human being, this dude was beat beyond anyone that was around him. His appearance, right, and in his form, marred, that means scarred, disfigured. Again, it's repeating that, beyond human likeness. He barely looked like a person anymore. That sounds pretty bad. I mean, dude, that's like you got jumped by like 13 dudes. Like, that's what it looks like. That's what I'm picturing, dude. I'm just picturing like, you know, Jesus went like 20 rounds with Mayweather then he got in a fight with Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson bit his ear off. And then, uh, dude, like, went through it all, right? Then it says, so he, right, so, everybody say so. So this is the reason. So he will sprinkle. I know that sounds weird. You're reading Old Testament. You're like, what the heck? You're doing, you just got beat to, to, to poop, right? You, just, you, you basically don't even look mad anymore so you could sprinkle many nations. That sounds weird. Like, like the, the cook man? No. Listen. In the Old Testament, right, they understood what the sprinkling of blood was. They would kill a whole animal, right? And we'll get to that in a little bit. They would kill a whole animal. So there was murder. There was death. They would kill a whole animal. Then they would take its blood, and they would sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant. It was a thing they would carry to show that God's presence was with us. So that's like almost like, uh, uh, let me see. You, you think about this, right? Imagine you got the star player on your football team, and he's injured, Right? But he's really good at support, moral support, right? Now imagine that if God gave him the supernatural ability to help you win your games. <laughs> like that's the best analogy I can make. The Ark of the Covenant was to help them win battles. People would try to kill the Jews all the time. And whenever they would have little like, they, whenever they would sin once a year, they would make a sacrifice and they would sprinkle it for their own sin. But right here, there's a sprinkle, right? Like think about like just blood sprinkling everywhere. But it's on many nations, many nations. It's not just on one thing, not just for one people. And it says kings will shut their mouths because of him. Kings. Bible speaks highly of kings. Kings will shut their mouths for they were not told they will see. For what they were not told they will see. And what they have not heard they will understand. So this was the whole point, right? This was the whole point. So Jesus will sprinkle many nations. What was he sprinkling? It wasn't donut sprinkles. It wasn't, it wasn't salsa verde, right? It wasn't any of that. It was his own blood. 
It was his own blood. If we go to Isaiah 53, 1 through 10, this is a long passage. I need everyone focused, and you're going to read it with me, okay? Because I know that some of us, we struggle with reading passages that are more than four verses, even though we can read 10 Facebook statuses. But you know what? We won't get into that. Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. A tender shoot, that, that basically means everything under. That means the, the, the little, like, roots, right? Everything that's under that, okay, under the ground, okay? Then, like a root out of dry ground, so get the picture, okay, almost like a plant. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us in him, nothing in his appearance that he should desire him. So, again, it's, it's using the same words. This is continuing off of what was said. So, who's the he really quickly? Who's the he? Jesus. Who's the him? That's God. Okay? The Father. Jesus is God, the Son, God the Father. He was despised and rejected by mankind. Continue. A man of suffering, familiar with pain. Keep that in mind. What was he familiar with? What was he a man of? Suffering. Understand, this is before Jesus came. None of these people knew about white Jesus on the cross with a, a drip of blood coming out. None of these people had gone to, to, to the red box to rent out, uh, you know, Passion of Christ. No one had gone to Sunday school as a Catholic yet. This is literally foreign to them. They don't understand what this means. Then it says, like one whom people hide their faces from, he was despised, and we, who's the we? It's them. The people, literally, the people of the the person writing that, his people, right? It's their people, the Jews. They held them in low esteem. Remember, you guys know what self-esteem is? Well, you can have esteem for other people when you think low of them. They thought low of Jesus. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. What did he bear? Our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, afflicted. Does that sound like the life to live? If I told you right now, Julian, in order to do one-on-one, right, with TJ, you're going to have to be stricken. I'm probably going to think you're punished by God. Probably going to think you're cursed. Would you do it? All right. You don't know, right? Well, Jesus went along with this. And it says right now he was pierced for our transgressions. Our transgressions are the things we sin against others. Then he was crushed for our iniquities. Our iniquities are the corrupt things because of our sin. We have corrupt hearts. We have twisted minds. He died He was crushed for that. The punishment that brought us peace was on who? On him. Who's the him again? This is all speaking of Jesus. But, dude, they didn't know about Jesus. They did not know about Jesus. The peace that was for us only happened because of the punishment on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. Let's continue. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of Joseph. The iniquity of Lawrence. The iniquity of TJ? Who, whose iniquity is on Jesus? I think some of y'all aren't convinced. I'm going to say it again, right? The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of... Man, you guys sound depressed. 
It sounds like almost you guys got the iniquity on you. I'm sorry, did y'all die for my sins? I'm sorry, did y'all bear my, 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 de- like my depression and my hate and everything? No, dude. Like, what the heck? Lawrence, isn't this kind of... Lawrence, you, you give it... Well, who has, the, who has the iniquity? What does that say right there? The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of what? Everybody. Everybody. Us all. That's a joy. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He didn't talk stuff. He didn't say, you know what? Screw you, man, and start flicking everyone off as he's on the cross. No, he didn't. And, right, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Wow, that's a beautiful picture. And as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And this is where we finish. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet, who of this generation protested? No one, no one, no one wanted him to not get killed. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. He wasn't even buried next to nice people and with the rich in his death, right? Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's... What? What was the Lord's will? Everybody, let's read this. Let's read this on the count of three. One, two, three. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. Do God wanted to cause Jesus to suffer? Dude, some, some translations will say it was his pleasure to cause Jesus to suffer. It was his pleasure. He was pleased. Why the heck would the Father be pleased with the Son being crucified? Why? You see, you have to ask these questions before you say, let me celebrate Easter. You have to come to the full knowledge of the, thing, of the whole resurrection, why it had to take place. There's beauty in it. Before we really, we really get to the understanding of that, understand this. Jesus, we, let's count along. Jesus suffered. He was rejected. He was despised. He was uh, appalled at. Uh, people mocked him. He was marred beyond figure. He, couldn't even, he didn't even look like a human. Human. He was familiar with pain, a man of suffering. Does that sound like the life to live? Does that sound like something you want to partake in? But let me tell you this, that's what you deserved. That's what you deserved. Every one of us deserved that. Every one of us deserved that. We deserved the full wrath of God. We deserved to have the cross being put on us after being whipped for hours being marred. We deserve to not look like a human anymore. Our sin is the reason why Jesus had to go through that. We can never reach God. These are three things I want you to understand. We can never reach God because of of the fall and because of our own intention to sin. Listen, it's not just, oh, Adam and Eve sinned. We desperately wanted to sin. We craved it. We longed for it. We desired to sin day in, day out. We thought about it in our beds. Some of you still think about sinning in your bed. Some of you guys plan and dream with sin. And that is why Jesus had to do that because we could never, out of our sinful self-righteousness, reach God. He had to come down with to us. 
He had to come down to us. And listen, this is the next thing. I told you about the, the lamb and everything. Listen, the only way for you to receive forgiveness is for, the, for there to be blood. Only way. Because you're not sinning against, you know, I'm, I'm like when I, when I steal from Jade, right? Let's say I just stole her car, right? I'm not just sinning against Jade. I'm sinning against God. You see, because each and every one of us are made in the image of God. So that means every time we sin against God or, or against a person or even sin against our own body, we're sinning against the creation of God. Every time we've sinned, we've been saying a big F you to God, I'm going to do what I want. That's what we've been doing. So guess what? Hey, listen, we think we can do that. There needs to be blood. Because it's not just like we, we've, we've lied once or we've lied twice. We knew that lying was wrong. There's an innate understanding in us. That means a natural understanding in us that, hey, I shouldn't lie. Hey, I shouldn't steal. Hey, I shouldn't, I shouldn't talk bad about people. I shouldn't be angry. I shouldn't beat people up. We know this is wrong, yet we still do it. So the Bible says that because of our, our sin, the only payment of sin, the Bible uses a fancy word called atonement, the only way to have a payment for your sin is blood. But, you know, Jesus doesn't want to sacrifice us. We'd sacrifice animals, but animals would never do anything. It was basically like just pure religion, right? Pure religion. Just, well, not pure, but just straight up religion, just religious deeds. People didn't even know why they were doing it after a while. They would go back to sinning. They were not changed. Animals were not enough. So whose blood needed to be shed? Jesus. So that's what they understood. They were starting to understand, hey, man, my, my sin is not, I'm not getting any better. I can't follow God anymore. I'm trying. I'm killing this animal, slaughtering it, sacrificing it. It doesn't even matter. But... Isaiah gets this prophecy that it's God's will that all of the shame, all of our iniquity, everything, go, go upon this servant, this Messiah. It goes upon him, not me. That should blow your mind right now. That literally everything you've done, right, everything they did, people in the past, people in the future, all of that, Think about just, like, like, imagine God put it, like, in one, like, almost like, uh, anybody ever seen Avengers, that cube thing? All that power held in one cube? Well, like, think of all the sin, right? It's all into one thing, right? One thing, and he just put it on Jesus. But it's not just, shit, not just sin, right? It's shame. It's shame. So think about what your sin caused you to feel. Think about all the depression, all the hatred, all the anger, everything that you've gone through, Jesus put that on his back on the cross and he felt that think about how long have people been on this earth people have a lot of guesses or whatever but let's think about the last 500 years let's think about world war ii think about the holocaust think about everything people have felt i'm telling you right now on the cross jesus felt that jesus felt that and that's what people were waiting for for 2,000 years so jesus was destined to suffer understand jesus from the beginning of, from the, the moment man fell, and even before that, right, but from the moment man fell, God said Jesus was going to suffer. But, right, there's a big but, Jesus was destined to rise. If you go to Isaiah, and I know I'm getting a little longer, but Isaiah 53, verse 10. Let's go back to that verse. How is it that this guy is going to die, bear our iniquities, but then all of a sudden, Isaiah 53, verse 10. If you can go there really quickly. 
All of a sudden, God's saying, I'm going to prolong your days. It says right here, he will see his offspring. Do you tell your great-grandfather when you go to the, like, I know a lot of Latinos, we do this. I don't do it because it's kind of weird for me. But we go to the tombstone, and your parents are like, say a few words to your grandpa. And you're like, okay, what the heck? <laughs> so you just bow down on one knee. You're like, well, grandpa, you know, uh, you know, life's been kind of hard, you know. Uh, my girlfriend cheated on me with my best friend, and, you know, it's just, uh, can I go now? And they're like, no, talk to him more. This is your grandpa. You don't know him. He was a great man. And you're like, dude, I don't even know who this guy is. You know, like, like, you don't say to that guy in the grave, hey, you're going to see your offspring. Jesus, at that point, it's talking of the resurrection. And many people miss this. They didn't understand that, hey, listen, you know, I, the Messiah, he's going to suffer. He's going to go through a lot, but he's going to resurrect and see his offspring and prolong his days. No, they didn't think about that. They didn't think about that. If we go to Daniel 7, 13 through 14, matter of fact, when he told Peter, the Messiah, right, who he understands as himself, the chosen servant, the one that is going to save all of Israel, when he told Peter, like, hey, Peter, hey, disciples, listen, the Messiah, he's going to suffer. He's going to get rejected, despised, and he's going to die, but he'll resurrect. Peter said he pulled Jesus aside, and he was like, Jesus, come over here. And Jesus was like, okay, you know, son of God, just walking with you. And he began to yell at Jesus. That's like, man, dude, that, that's way worse than Gio coming to TJ and be like, TJ, come over here. TJ, come over here. Listen, bro, you need to stop with the chants, man. You need to stop with them. You're too hyped. This is a church, right? That's worse than that. That's worse than that. Think of this is the God of the universe, God, fullness of God in bodily form. We learned that today, right, in worship. And he's telling Jesus, Jesus, you shouldn't be talking like that. What the heck? You're on some nonsense. You're going to die and suffer? We're supposed to rule together. See, the disciples thought Jesus was going to come and kill Jeremiah take his shoes, right? But no, that wasn't the case. Jesus was going to come to suffer. So Jesus rebuked him, said, get behind me, Satan. You have the intentions of man. Why you should have the intentions of God. So the whole intention of God is to cause him to suffer, but for what purpose? So that he may resurrect and it says right here, right, his offspring, it said in the last verse, I just want to touch on this, who are Jesus' offspring? It's not like Jesus, like the Da Vinci Code is real now. Again, we're talking not physical, right? In Genesis, what was the offspring? The believers, us, us. We, right, are the offspring of Jesus, of God himself. That's what the Bible says, to be born again. Everybody understand born again, Right? Well, that's what it means. We're children of God. So Daniel 7, verse 13 through 14, it says right here, in my vision last night, this is Daniel speaking, a prophet, I believe right after Isaiah, I could be wrong, maybe Lawrence or a friend in the back, Jonathan Cox, you know, sorry to point you, I had to, uh, maybe he could correct me. But it says, in my vision at night, I looked and there, for, uh, and there before me was one like a son of man. You may hear Jesus being called Son of Man every so often, right? But Jesus, the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days is God. The Ancient of Days is God. That means he's beyond the days. He's from before and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His Wait, hold up real quick. So think about this. 
you don't, you don't know about Jesus. You only know about the Father. Then all of a sudden, here's this guy, and he's coming. He's given everything that God has, and then he's, everybody worships him now. Who's deserving of worship, guys? God. This person, this son of man, this one who looks like a son of man, that means he looks like a human. He's being worshipped. His dominion is ever, everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never what? Be destroyed. So really quickly, we who are born again, we are his offspring. All nations, not just Jews, whites, blacks, Latinos, whatever you want to say. No, it's not about race anymore. Literally, it's if you're born again. And when the Old Testament is talking about Jesus, it's always talking about his suffering. But there's a hint of his resurrection. So if I can have Stephanie up, and I know this, this, this guy, you guys are like, man, dude, I wanted to hear more about, like, you know, just, you know, how I can overcome my fears and stuff like that. But listen, there's time for that. But you guys need to understand, people are going to come at you and be like, hey, dude, Jesus ain't the Messiah. There's other Messiahs. There's other people that can save you. But I'm telling you right now, this is the only way for salvation. So really quickly, what do we do, right? What do we do now? What will we do exactly what they did, right? They waited. If we go to the timeline real quick, actually go to Daniel 12. Uh, no, go to the timeline really quickly. Does anybody know what it means to hope? Does anybody know what it means to hope? You said to have faith? Very close, very close. To believe, very close. Think about this. I want you to picture this. Imagine you ordered, you ordered, uh, let's see, let's say you ordered some true religion jeans off the internet, right? You know what? And you're waiting. You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, and you just know they're going to come. They're not, it's not here yet. You know those true religion jeans, and you got the Gucci belt also. You know it's coming, right? It's coming. You're, you're waiting, but you don't have it just yet. But you see, you see, you check even Amazon. It's like, it's coming. It's, it's a day. It's been shipped. And you're like, okay, for sure, for sure. Well, that's hope. It's waiting expectantly, expectantly waiting for something. When we say we hope for Jesus, it's not like we're just wishing, oh, man, Jesus may be real. I remember when I was growing up, my aunt was like, believe in God. Because if he's not real, you live a decent life. It's called Pascal's Wager. But if he is real right? You got heaven. Like, man, like almost like your whole eternity just balances on a guess, and people think that's what hope means, but hope is to wait expectingly. And what are we waiting for? Well, really quickly, the way we're waiting is we're waiting just like Adam and Eve. They're waiting for the one of their offspring to crush the serpent's head. They die, right? Then you got all the people in the Bible. You got Abraham. You got David. You got Noah. You, they're hearing about this, this Messiah, the Savior. They're wondering what's going to happen. People are taking me from my home. Did you know that Jewish people, they were conquered? And this is before World War II. They were conquered, taken out of their land, made slaves. They're still waiting for the Messiah. They're in slavery, captivity. They don't even have a house. They don't have a home. 400 years passed, and finally the, the Messiah comes, right? And what does he do? What does he do? He goes off and gets himself killed. That's what they're thinking. He gets himself killed. But, of course, the good news is that he resurrected. This Easter, right, is not about you just 
coming on church on Sunday with your family, and then bam, leaving. This is about understanding the resurrection. Listen, if Jesus did not resurrect, I'm telling you guys, if you think that, you should leave right now. You should leave because there's no point. Our, we are dead in our sins. All these people, right, for, for 4,000 years, they waited for no reason. Their hope is never coming. But we have a hope that will not put us to shame. We will not be embarrassed. We will not cover our faces when he comes. We will be like the light. That's what it says in Daniel 12. If you can go there really quickly. I want to encourage you guys with this. You want to know what it looks like in the end of days? This is what they were told in the Old Testament. The Messiah, the Son of God. If you go to Daniel 12, verse 2 to 3. Daniel 12, verse 2 to 3. It says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life. Others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of heavens, of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Listen, that's a crazy picture. I want you to understand. When the Bible says they'll, star, they'll shine like stars, it's because they, we made even stars look dim. That's the closest you can compare to the light of the glory of God. And you want to wait for just like, like some stupid stuff on earth, you think, you think all the people, go back to the timeline. Go back to the timeline, please. You think all the people, right? If you go back really quickly, you think all the people in Genesis, right? Adam and Eve, you think they were like, man, you know what? We're just waiting for, uh, you know, Fortnite. We're just waiting for the true religion, Jesus. We're just waiting for a girlfriend. We're just waiting to feel better, right? No, they had their hope somewhere else. They had their hope somewhere else. It was in the coming of the Messiah, that was the big thing. That was the big thing. If you honestly think Christianity is anything else than just waiting for Jesus Christ to return and leading many people to righteousness, then you've missed the mark. We are literally in hope of Jesus. And in that hope, this is now, okay, remember the promise of God. If you guys can all stand up, this is now where you can be encouraged, right? All these people are waiting. Did there, was their way futile? No, Jesus came. The Messiah came. And he resurrected. He defeated sin. He defeated shame. Now it's time for the nations to be saved. Jesus is in heaven. He's waiting to return. Do we give up now? No, we don't. We wait. We hope. We wait expectantly for Jesus. We wait expectantly for Jesus. So in these 2,000 years and counting, right? Right? We're like, I don't know where we're at in this timeline. No one does. But what we do is we wait expectingly. We lead many to righteousness. We preach the gospel. We live holy. That's what we do. We have problems. We remind ourselves of the promise because guess what the Bible says? Anything you're going through, the light and temporary problems of this world, oh gosh, the glory of God outweighs them greatly, outweighs them far, outweighs them. It's like comparing a, a feather to an elephant. That's how it is, like comparing your problems to the glory that awaits all of you. The resurrection. The resurrection. We don't just die and become angels. No, we resurrect because Jesus resurrected. And listen, are you going to lead people to righteousness or are you just going to come to elevate? Because you know what I want? I want to see Jesus face to face. And I want to be able to say, I waited I put my hope in you, Jesus. And I want him to be able to say, good job. 
good and faithful servant. Well done. You've done well, right? You've done well. You've made the Father happy. Come, share in my happiness. That's what people have been waiting for in the Old Testament. That's what they were waiting for. You guys are like, man, I want to see God split the sea and everything. You know, they were just waiting to get saved. They were waiting for the Messiah to come. They wanted what we want. And now we will all get, when Jesus returns, the promise of the resurrection, sin defeated, shame no more, tears are wiped away. That's what we hope for. That's what keeps us going. It's not some petty little uh, self-help program. No, this is literally, we hope in the resurrection. You got cancer? You, well, you're going to get a new body with the resurrection. Pray for healing. If I can have my altar workers come up. Oh, you, you, you got problems in your family, right? Guess what? In the resurrection, let's pray they get saved, but you will have a new family. You've been beaten. You've been abused. Guess what? Jesus will wipe away every tear. There's so much joy in that. This is what we're waiting for. This is the point of Easter. This is like literally, literally, if they knew about Easter back then, they would not doubt God. If they knew that the Messiah was to come and he died and he resurrected, they'd be like, listen, dude, David wouldn't be like with Bathsheba anymore. That wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. Listen, guys, think about this. Just take a moment, right? This is the altar call. You guys close your eyes. You bow your heads. I want you guys to get this. I know this is a long message. The resurrection, the resurrection will get you through any problem any problem. You just hope in the resurrection. You wait for Jesus' return. You seek his face. You get to know him more. It doesn't matter if you're paralyzed. It doesn't matter if you lost your money. It doesn't matter if you lost your house. The hope that Jesus' return is soon will keep you going. And it's not a hope that will put us to shame. This is a hope that is solid, that is something you can bet your life on. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have an altar call, and I want to have those who don't have their hope in Jesus. If you have your hope in something other than Christ and his return, come up. And those who are struggling, I'll say the word struggling, with trusting God, come up. And if you need any prayer for anything else, you can come up as well. So I'm going to say a prayer, then you guys come up, receive prayer, because this will get you through life. This will encourage you, your days that are hard, your days that are long. This will bring you to a closer understanding of Jesus where you know him more. So Heavenly Father, I ask you, God, that we would not be like like double-minded people believing in Jesus one day, not believing him in the next. But God, I pray that we would understand your word that we would lift your name on high, that we would understand the Son of Man that was lifted and exalted so all men may be drawn to him, so all men may be saved, God. Lord, we give you the glory, God, because whether or not some of us follow you, Jesus, and believe in your resurrection, you resurrected, Lord. You resurrected. That's a fact, God. That is truth. I pray that all of us would live like that. And I pray for those that do not believe that, that are still in doubt, that are still struggling with trusting you, God, that make a big deal out of things that happen in this life when it's only 60 to 70 years and you've given them eternity. God, forgive us for that doubt, Lord. Help us with our unbelief. 
that we may trust you, that we may walk with you, God. Help us, Lord, as a church, Lord. Come to you, Lord, not with, not with uh, doubt, but God, faith that you will help us, Lord. Believing that you have resurrected, believing that we will resurrect when we die. Jesus, Lord, have your way in this place in the altar call. May those who, whose hearts are hardened, may, them be, may they be softened. May those whose hearts have been opened and they've been wanting to know you. God, I pray that you would answer them, Lord, and you would save them. And may all the saints be encouraged in Jesus' name. So as in the altar call, as we, as we sing and, and we go through worship, just really think about this. Do you, do you, are you waiting for Jesus? Do you have a hope in him? Just think about that. Think about where your hope lies.